Hey, if you got your Bibles, Ephesians is the book we're going to be in primarily today. Um, we are uh, just in the middle of this three-week series about thanks and giving. And uh, we talked last week about intentional gratitude, making it a priority in your life. This week we're going to talk about more like making it a way of life. I call it thanks living. I wish I could take credit for that. That certainly is not original. But uh, thanks living is this idea that it becomes this way of life and it becomes what identifies you as a believer because it seems to be so closely connected with this salvation that we enjoy is this sense of gratitude. And so to give you a little bit of um, context, Paul, the author of the book of Ephesians, is in jail. And he's riding to a church in Ephesus. And he's been to Ephesus, we know of, at least twice. And um, this was a very opulent city. It was, it was a trade city. It was part of the Silk Road, if, if you're familiar with that. And, um, and actually, where it's located now, that, that harbor that it was, has all been filled in. And it's not that anymore. But back in the day, it was quite, it was quite the place. It was one of the seventh wonders of the world was located in Ephesus. The uh, temple to the, uh, to the to the goddess Diana, and so there was there was this church planted by Paul there of believers that had plenty, and uh, he is several times in the book of Ephesians emphasizing all that we have to be grateful for, all that we have to be thankful for, and he starts off the book of Ephesians. Now, keep in mind, this is just a letter, right? We later on divided it up into chapters and verses. So this is literally this letter that he's writing to these believers at the church of Ephesus, and it's called a pastoral epistle. In other words, the word epistle is like an old word for, the, for a letter, and it's a pastor writing to his congregation, and it was also known as a circulatory letter, which meant that, yes, it's addressed to the church at Ephesus, but the intention was for it to be sent throughout Asia Minor to bless and meet the needs of the churches throughout there so that they could hear what their pastor was telling them from prison in Rome. So that's kind of where we're at. So with that context, let's begin reading in the first chapter of Ephesians, and we're going to spend most of our time in the fifth chapter, but I wanted to give you just kind of the same introduction that Paul gave to his audience in chapter 3, I'm Chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, this is what's great. This is what's exciting to me. So he's saying, all right, listen, folks, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. What are you talking about, Paul? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to spend the next you know, 10 verses telling you what all these spiritual blessings are. And here's what's really kind of neat. So in the Greek, which is what the letter originally would have been written in, this is all one sentence. From verse 3 all the way to verse 14 is all one long run-on sentence. And we won't read all of it. I know you were nervous about that. But here's the summary of what he says we are so blessed with spiritually. That we have been chosen by God. That we have been loved by God. That we have been adopted by him. That we have been accepted by him and redeemed by him and forgiven by him. And we have received an inheritance from him. And the icing on the cake, we are sealed for eternity by the Holy Spirit. It ain't ever going to change. 
So here are the spiritual blessings that Paul tells these believers that they get to enjoy in Christ. And then he reminds and so, so here's the thing. We can know this. We can know this about our faith and about the security that we have in him, knowing that just as, as our relationship with our parents even though it might get strained sometimes and we maybe weren't the perfect kid or they might not have been the perfect parent, you're still their kid, right? So it's like once we are in the family of God and once we are a child of God, there's security there. And we can know all of this and we can believe all of this and yet sometimes we can find it difficult to express thanks for the way that our life looks like right now. And I get that. But I want to kind of give us the setting here that we have a lot of spiritual blessings to be so grateful for. And Paul reminds us then, so he starts the letter off this way, and there's some intentionality to that because of where he's going. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians, and if you have a phone app, you may get there quicker. Um, But it's, so Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to land here. And Paul reminds us frequently about the priority that gratitude should have in our life. And he says this in chapter 5, verse 20. He says this, giving thanks always, wow, for all things. Let me read that again. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's another passage of scripture that he wrote to the church of Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5. We'll touch that a little bit later. And he said that in everything you're supposed to give thanks. And I'll be honest with you, I was okay with that one. Because like regardless of the circumstances, I can still be grateful in them. But what he's telling us here in Ephesians is to be thankful for them. That's a different kind of thanks, right? That's a different kind of gratitude. And so we're supposed to be thankful for all things. Now, I will say this. There's a little bit of a caveat here, and that is, that is in the name of Jesus. So gratitude seems counterintuitive at times. Like, yeah, I, I, that's tough. Like, how are we grateful for that? How are we grateful for every? Thing So if we're going to live this life of gratitude and thanksgiving, let's acknowledge the fact that that's not all easy, okay? Let's acknowledge the fact that sometimes there's a little character involved here of just doing what you know you're supposed to do so that you'll then feel the way you're supposed to feel because if you just wait to feel right before you do right, it ain't going to happen very much. And sometimes we just do the right thing and we give thanks because we know we're supposed to give thanks and then we end up feeling the way that we're supposed to feel. It begins to affect our heart then. And I really firmly believe that. Let's jump up there in the same chapter into into the first four verses of chapter five and see what, what Paul has to say here kind of getting into all of this. He says, be therefore followers of God. That's us. That's us. And I'm not sure where you are on your journey but we're followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us. And he has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. 
And then he starts this thing about how not to behave, right? He says this, but fornication and all uncleanness and, uh, or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient. The idea is appropriateness with our language, appropriateness with how we use our tongues, but rather <laughs> giving of thanks. So it's almost like Paul is saying, I know you people use your mouth a lot. So how about if we use some of that, that wording, that, that, how about if we use some of that effort to produce thanks out of our mouth? Like you say a lot of stuff. How about if we start saying some stuff that matters, that's helpful? It's kind of what he's saying here. We, <laughs> we're already doing a lot of talking Let's start using some of that talking for good. Let's start using a language of thanksgiving. But here's one thing that we're going to find out. It's a lifelong process to cultivate a grateful heart in all things. So what we're asking for this morning is progress, not perfection. Can you be thankful for some things this morning that you weren't thankful for earlier? It's a lifelong process to cultivate a grateful heart. And that's what makes it a way of life. That's what makes it thanksgiving. It takes effort. And maybe at first it's just an act of obedience. I don't feel it, but I'm going to say it. You know, like the little girl. You know, I may be sitting down, sitting down on the inside, uh, on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Like, you know, we, it's like we are, we're, we're just going to say thank you for this. And sometimes, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to unspiritualize the text. I'm just saying that I know for me, sometimes I just have to say thank you and, and learn the discipline of being grateful and expressing my gratitude, even if I even if I'm having a hard time convincing myself that I'm really thankful. Because here's the truth. If you don't exercise gratitude, it begins to disappear. You get that, right? So, so you become really good at being ungrateful. And if we're not expressing thanks, it happens in a marriage, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, it seems like that's where it happens first because you take your spouse for granted. And you stop saying thankful for the little, being, being thankful for the little things. You start expressing your, you stop expressing your gratitude. And the next thing you know, you're just like, you know, one grunt means yes, two grunts mean no. Well, she gets me. Yeah. But that's how we get with the Lord too. Like you have to work at this. You have to, you have to on purpose create this, this thanks living, this life that it just exudes gratitude. And if you don't exercise it, it begins to disappear out of your life. And pretty soon, you're just a miserable person and no one wants to hang around you. Because you're an ingrate. And you're unthankful. And you're critical. It's called spiritual atrophy. You're not exercising gratitude on a regular basis, so it dries up, becomes unuseful. What we're wanting, though, is if we, 
if we intentionally express gratitude, if we say thank you, and we begin to say it towards people and to God, then what happens is eventually, I believe this, it becomes, it becomes an overflow of the joy that we feel in our heart. Because now we're looking at things differently. And I think what gratitude does, and this is what excites me about it, when you express gratitude, it like it opens up space in your heart and life for God to do something beautiful. But if you stay bitter and angry and ungrateful, it's like you stay closed up and nothing can be cultivated. But it's almost like saying thank you and learning, the, learning that practice of being grateful. What happens, it like breaks up that ground and then beautiful things spring out of it. But I call it the gratitude effect. What happens when we begin to express gratitude on a regular basis, what seems to happen is, is it, it produces a lighter heart and it produces a brighter outlook and sweeter relationships. It, it, it's not, it, it, it's, it's not a, a, um, um, a surprise that people who are ungrateful seem to be heavy-hearted and people who are regularly sour don't have a very optimistic outlook, or, and they, don't, they certainly don't have nice, wonderful relationships with people. And I know that this oversimplification of a bigger picture here, but if you will, and I, and I did a lot of reading over the last three or four weeks, and, and both, both the mental health world and the medical world tout the benefits of gratitude. Better self-esteem, better sleep patterns, better health, better emotions, happier, healthier relationships, a less painful body, quicker recovery from trauma, lower rates of depression. Those are just like the physical and mental aspects of all of this. Isn't it beautiful that this gift of gratitude that God gives us in Scripture has ripple effects throughout our life? It's no mistake that we are commanded to give thanks for everything. So here's a few thoughts to help you with that. First of all, a grateful heart comes from a spirit-filled life. So in in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, we have this beautiful passage of Scripture about what it looks like to be spirit-filled. And of course, the spirit that we're talking about, you notice the S is capitalized. Anytime you see a capital S spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. When it's a small case S, it's our spirit. So what we're talking about here is is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you became a believer in Jesus, the Bible teaches us that that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And what his desire is, is to begin to control more and more of our life as we yield to him and allow him to take control. And, and then the blessings that follow. So here's what Paul is saying. He said, be not drunk with wine. Well, that'll start a conversation off well. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I love when the Bible uses great illustrations like that. Because we all know what a drunk looks like. Right? A drunk does stupid stuff. A drunk does things that maybe he normally would not have done because he's under the influence of alcohol. And what Paul is saying is don't be like that. That's ungodly. 
That's sinful. Don't allow yourself to be under the influence like that. He said, instead, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. To where like you're doing things that naturally you probably would not have done. And what are the results of that? So like if I give myself over to this indwelling Holy Spirit, okay, God, how do you want me to react to that person? What do you want me to do about that situation? What are the results of living that kind of life to where, where you have been taken over, if you will, by the Holy Spirit? What happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit? The first result that says here is this, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So isn't it amazing? One of the things that happens when you are filled with the Spirit is you sing. How about that? But thankfully for some of us, the Bible's okay with just a joyful noise because we're not that melodic. Wishful thinking, Paul. But the second result of a Spirit-filled life is found in the next verse. It says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So a spirit-filled life results in not only singing, but also in giving of thanks. So it seems like it's this prerequisite for gratitude. To, to, to express genuine gratitude is like to be able to give thanks from a heart that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then interestingly, the third result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is our submission to each other. The idea that we prefer somebody else, whatever's good for you. I think it's just a beautiful way to build relationship. I believe this, to the extent that we grumble, (laughs) we're not living under the Spirit's control. So I don't know what you're complaining about this morning, but that's not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because the truth of the matter is, a grumbling spirit is not compatible with the Holy Spirit. Had to go there, didn't I? A grumbling little s spirit is not compatible with the holy capital S spirit. Because that's not the Holy Spirit working. You're not being controlled by the Holy Spirit in that area. Because to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be under the Holy Spirit's control. A spirit-filled life is a prerequisite to genuine gratitude. Second thought I had about this that might be a help to you, is that oftentimes our focus determines our attitude. And it's easier to be thankful when you're focused on the right thing. Some of you may may know that, that King David is a pretty famous character in the Bible. He's mentioned a few times in the New Testament, but mostly his life is is chronicled for us in the Old Testament. He was the second king of Israel. God calls him a man after his own heart. And the thing is, he did, he did some stupid things. But all in all, he really had this ability to express to the Lord how he felt and what he was going through. And if you read in the middle of your, of your Bible, the Psalms, a lot of those were written by him, and they're just this emotional outpouring. And one of, one of the Psalms that I want to, we're not going to read it, but I would encourage you to read is Psalm 57. And in Psalm 57, he uses phrases like, I'm going to dwell in safety in the shadow of your wings. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to put my trust in you. Well, if you remember, if if you realize where he was when he wrote this, he was on the run. 
The first king of Israel, Saul, when he found out that God wanted David to be king, set out to kill David. And he takes an army of 3,000 soldiers to go chase down David and 600 of his followers. So they're outnumbered five to one, and they go to this place near the Dead Sea that's full of caves. It's a really cool place. And the caves were, were like catacombs. They were all interwoven. And there was a point where David was in a cave with his men, and so was Saul. And in that moment... When he was that close to the person who, he wanted to, who wanted to end his life, David penned Psalm 57. And so he was able to transfer his focus from this man who was the king trying to kill him to the God who was going to protect him and had promised to preserve his life to become king. And what a difference it made. Our focus impacts our attitudes. So I'm going to ask you this. Are you focusing on blessings or your difficulties. When I choose to focus on what I have been given rather than what I am missing, it changes how I feel. Like if I focus on all that I've been given, I feel happier. When I focus on everything I'm missing out on, I feel sad. If I focus on all that I've been given, I feel more content and less agitated. In fact, I believe this, that, that there may be times when those miseries that you have in your life, if you would be willing to stare them right in the face and look at them and look at maybe the good that God is trying to do in them, that God will show you something about them that you can't even be thankful for. Are we looking at the blessings or are we focused on the difficulties? Not only that, are we focused on God or are we focused on our circumstances? You can choose to look at life differently. To see our circumstances through a lens of faith. And I want you to hear that. When we are able to look at our circumstances through a lens of faith, that changes what it looks like. Todd was showing me on his iPhone 10 that it has this feature. But like he took a picture of a mug And then he did something to the screen. (laughs) And it focused on the mug, and the mug became crystal clear, and then everything else got blurry to where you could not even identify what was in the background. All you could see was the mug. You know what's cool? Like if he had changed the focus and hit up here instead, it would have focused on that, and the mug would have gotten blurry. We have the ability, I believe, to focus on God and everything else get blurry. When we can see our circumstances through the lens of faith, it changes what our focus is. And now we're able to see things through faith that we couldn't see before. When this happens, I believe this, that that we're able to see that God is still good and that we have much to be thankful for. This gal that I've been reading after... Uh, she's got a few books out. Her name is Vanitha Reisner. And when she was a young girl, she had, she had uh, contracted polio and it was misdiagnosed. Because, you know, polio has been eradicated. No. And so she develops polio and it becomes this crippling disease. She gets married and has a boy. 
and her boy gets sick, and the regular doctor was out that day, and the substitute doctor misdiagnosed him and took him off of the medication that he was on, and he died two days later. And then she recontracted, got some kind of adult form of polio. Now she is deformed. It's just, I don't get it, right? But here's what she said. This is what Vanitha Reisner said. Counting my miseries seemed to shrink my soul. While counting blessings opens up my heart to God. How are we doing this morning? Like, what are we focusing on? Spirit-filled living is the key. Then where you focus is going to make a big difference on how you look at this thing that God is doing in your life. And it will enable you to, to be thankful for the thing or the individual. And then we'll finish with this. Gratitude is the language of trust. And it's hard to express gratitude for somebody that you don't really trust. And I believe that if we do trust the Lord and we have faith that that he is in control and we have faith that he does love us and he has the ability to work it out and to make it a good thing in our life, then gratitude is easier. So so maybe, maybe you have a prayer journal or maybe you just kind of mentally make a list of all the things that you've been through in your life and what they've done for you and what they've done to you and who you've become because of them. And so you have this list that you can look at and say, yeah, it might not have been what I had chosen, but it sure is something that God used to develop me or, or it worked out this way. And so it strengthens that and, and gratitude becomes the language of trust. Gratitude is one way that we can express the faith that we say that we have. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he's finishing up, you know, this book and giving them these really short little commands. Actually, uh, the first two words are one verse, and the second three words are, are another verse. So these really short verses here. He says this in verse 16, rejoice evermore. And then he says in verse 17, pray without ceasing. And then he says in verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's no way to rejoice evermore in verse 16 without giving thanks in everything in verse 18. Joy accompanies the gratitude that we express. There's this inner sense of contentment that comes from the assurance that God is good to me in this. So I can be grateful and express gratitude in this even if I don't like this. Because I'm able to understand the fact that I have faith in God and my thanksgiving is my language expressing the trust and faith that I have in him. I believe his purposes are good. So it's no surprise that ungrateful people are grumpy people. And I don't want to be that. Gratitude speaks volumes to a world without Jesus. And I can think of very few things more effective in your workplace, in your home, in your relationships that would be attractive to those without Christ than you being willing to be grateful and expressing that. 
Because grateful people are nice to be around. And you have everything in the world to be grateful for. If all you did was read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, over and over again about all the spiritual blessings that God has given you. And I think that's why Paul started this letter off that way. Because regardless of what you're going through now, you're going to end up in heaven. Right? Now, I understand. I understand that that's beautiful. And I don't always understand what you're going through, and I sure don't know why you're going through it. So I'm not trying to belittle or, 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 or make smaller what you're going through. It's, it's, it's real. It's genuine. And it's hurtful. But I'm trying to let's express our gratitude to the Lord for what we can and exercise that muscle. Because I know this, it's not happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. Our thankfulness should be reflected in our life. So, last week I had you take a leaf out of the bulletin that you got and just write something or someone that you're thankful for. We're going to do the same thing today, and we're going to do it again next week. Hopefully you have one more thing to write. You didn't. (laughs) That wasn't your one thing last week. Hopefully you got two things. You can write another leaf and fill some out. So Whitney's going to be uh, at the door with a basket and drop it in the basket. We're going to put it up on the trees there in the, in the family room. And uh, we'd love your help with this. Um, and and, and it, it's just an exercise of the things that we have to be thankful for. But I would encourage you to begin to use your mouth to express your gratitude to other people and to the Lord. And find the good in it. Find what you can be thankful for. Change your focus. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you and thank you for what you are doing in our lives. Help us to look for that which we can be thankful for. Help us to exercise that spiritual muscle of gratitude. And I pray, Father, you would just help us to be an example to those who don't know you of an individual who believes God wants the best for them. And help us to be attractive to a world that is confused and puzzled and upset and help us to be at peace and grateful because of the love that we have in you and from you. In Jesus' name, amen.